Hi guys, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I am your host, Monica. We are back again. New week, new pod, new topic, new guest. And guys, we have Indeed. a returning, <laughs> we have a returning guest here with us. Hi. And, uh, <laughs> I know you guys remember the um, Constantine episode that we did with the- Where we definitely talked about Constantine. Where we definitely yep, talked about Constantine. that's what we talked about. Yes, with the two wonderful people, Crystal and Gray from Busty Asian Beauties Podcast, which is a yep. supernatural recap podcast. I have one half of Busty Asian Beauties. It is Crystal. Everybody say hi, Crystal. Hi. It's me, Crystal. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> back on the pod. So happy to have you here. And Very happy to be back. Yes. It's a wonder it's wonderful to have you back on because I love having people return. It's a lot of fun. It's like when your friend comes over to your house and you're like, Yeah, you want to come over again? It's like, oh my gosh, you like my house? You like hang out with me? You like my company? <laughs> what? It's a it's a sweet thing. It makes me feel warm inside. Yeah. So so happy to have you. And we are um, here to talk about the amazing, quirky, mm-hmm. wild show that premiered on the CW called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. But before we jump into that, we are going to head into our beginning segment where we talk about the uh, ongoing writer strike. As many of you very well know, because this has been in the headlines for a while now, there is currently a strike going on with the Writers Guild of America due to um, writers and actors not being well paid within Hollywood. So they have been on strike for over a hundred days. And you know, there are several factors that um, go into the reason as to why they're protesting. First things first, there is the dominance of streaming in media now and how a lot of writers and actors are not being fairly compensated for the work that they do. There is the rise of artificial intelligence, technology in the entertainment industry, which is, um, you know, causing a lot of stress for a lot of writers because it could mean taking away a lot of people's jobs. And with writers Mm -hmm. already having to deal with things like mini rooms and not being able to work on set and not having a lot of job stability within the entertainment industry right now, having to compete with computers for their jobs is definitely not something that they want to have to deal with. And there's also, you know, the negotiations going into, um, payment for non-union writers and actors to ensure that these people are fairly compensated and protected under union contracts and just the overall financial strain for many writers and actors. Because remember, not every actor you see on TV makes as much as Jessica Chastain. Not every actor you see on television makes as much money as Justin Hartley did on This Is Us, okay? They are trying to make ends meet and right now, the WGA and the S and WGA and SAG are currently fighting so that um, writers and actors can be fairly compensated, and they're negotiating with AMPTP to get that done. And I am just hoping that the strike will be resolved and that you know negotiations go smoothly, all their needs are met. And everyone can go back to work and be fairly compensated for the phenomenal, amazing work that they do. Because without writers and actors, we would have nothing to watch. So their jobs are just as important as anyone else's. 
and they deserve to be fairly compensated for the wonderful work that they do. Fingers crossed. Yes. So we're hoping for the best and I'm just, you know, um, um, we're just going to light a candle for you guys, you know, shout out to the shout out to those on strike. We are in solidarity, in solidarity with you and yes, all the things snaps. Yes. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to jump into talking about crazy ex-girlfriend, which is a yes, show. It is a romantic musical comedy drama that premiered on the CW October 12, 2015, and it ran for four seasons. It was created, written, and directed by Rachel Bloom and Aileen um, Brosh McKenna, who was the, uh, I believe, the writer of The Devil Wears Prada. That movie? Maybe. I don't know much about her. I'm pretty sure she was the writer of the movie, or at least, like, executive producer. That's her oh, biggest... Yes, she wrote The Devil Wears Prada yeah. and 27 Dresses. Yeah, those are the biggest credits to her name. And this show is basically, like, a dark comedy, I would describe it as. Mm-hmm. And it follows um, Rachel Bloom, who is in the lead role as Rebecca Bunch. She is a lawyer who moves to New York City, from New York City to West Covina, to pursue her ex-boyfriend from high school summer camp. And I remember seeing the trailer for this show and fully just being like, I know that the CW is not doing this right now. I was just kind of like, this is so unserious because the CW is known for having terrible shows. So like Supernatural. Like Supernatural, like um, Riverdale, like I mean, I've heard good things about Riverdale. You've heard good things about Riverdale? From who? I've heard that it's camp. That okay, camp and that is the finale like, was very funny. Okay, camp is like a general term. Like you could say a lot of things are camp. You could say the movie Burlesque is camp. You could say uh Barbie is camp. But Riverdale is not camp. It's terrible. <laughs> If you have a show where there's a line where they seriously say that you have never experienced the highs and lows of high school football in a serious tone, then that show is just like, it's not. And also, one of the lead characters calls her father daddy. Like, unironically. I call my dad daddy unironically. I feel like it's not that uncommon. It's not even, like, I mean, I'm sure when you do it, it's something from childhood. But when she does it, it's just a little strange. Huh. okay it's just a little off-putting and also like i mean it's not a good show listen i'm not even gonna like go into deep detail about it it's not a good show and i couldn't even like stomach watching like i fully tried to watch the first episode and i was like absolutely Uh not i can't even do it like there are people who watched the first season of the show and liked it and i was like no you can't you're not gonna get me you're not gonna get me you can't make me do it i couldn't even get through the first episode i couldn't do it but you know, the CW has a track record of having shows that aren't that great on their network. So when I saw the trailer for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I was I was just like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to do it. I'm not mm. going to watch it. And then um, I, I don't remember exactly what had happened. I think I had seen a few people talking about it. And then I saw it on Netflix one day. And then I was like, okay let me give it a shot. It looks interesting because I did see the trailer on the CW from time to time when it was first premiering because I 
did watch Supernatural and I did watch it Oof. live on the CW. And if I didn't watch yeah. it live on the CW, I watched it on CW.com. And you know those commercials on CW.com are five minutes long. So I saw the trailer <laughs> a bunch of times and so I decided to watch it. And I was really just like taken aback by how much I liked the show. Because it was actually like, it was very funny. And of yep. course, it's a wild concept. But the show leans into how wild this concept is. Like Rebecca Bunch is a high paying lawyer who leaves her job in New York because she happened to bump into a guy that she dated for like a month at summer camp. And she in her brain is like, this is happiness. This is what I need to chase my destiny, to be with this guy. Mm -hmm. He is going to make me feel fulfilled and whole. And in her like desperate pursuit of happiness, she is chasing this idea of a fairy tale. And I love that the show kind of emphasizes the absurdity of the entire yeah. situation while also kind of, I guess just being unrealistic, but also sometimes being realistic in a way. And just from the first episode, also I'm like a huge musical theater nerd. So uh -huh. when she started breaking into saga dance, I was like, yes. you know what? I'm I'm okay with this because some shows, no, not some shows. There aren't a lot of musical shows out there. There's like Gallivant, there's Glee, there's Zoe Ex Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and I feel like those are the top three I can name off the top of my head right now. But if you cannot incorporate music in a meaningful way into your show, mm -hmm. I'm just going to turn it off. And this show does musicals so well because the one thing i love about musicals so much is that when a character feels something so powerful it feels something so real it, they feel it in their bones mm -hmm. they have no other choice but to jump up and start singing their emotions and that's what they do in the show and that's what i was like you know what girl if you like it i love it we're going to west covina california <laughs> to see josh and i was in it okay i mean that's yeah. what that's what brought me into the show but Crystal, right. what made you get into the show? Like, what made you, like, want to watch it? Uh, so my best friend, Danica, introduced me to it after the first two seasons. Um, I, I just watched it because she recommended it, and I trusted her taste. And, I mean, I had a great time. It was summer vacation. I binged all two seasons very quickly, and then... I watched seasons three and four live-ish, as in I watched them on CW.com the day after they aired. Period. And I don't, I mean, the songs definitely were a huge draw. Like, it's been a while since I've revisited this show, but like, every time I think the sentence, don't think about it too hard, like, I immediately go too hard, too, too hard because of the little mix parody of what was it the the like the one where it's about make yourself sexy just for yourself what is that one called the song in the show I'm that not, one i'm not gonna lie i don't remember is that the episode it's from the summer camp episode oh, where yeah. she has to go back yeah, yeah. No, I... All the songs are so catchy and so fun, and I love the ways that they just work within preordained, like, musical theater and music tropes to 
express like whatever's happening and i like all the genre hopping in the show and a lot of the fourth wall breaking though i think it gets a little too much and a little too irritating in later seasons and i think uh i was like in like middle school entering high school when i watched it for the first time and i was like having a time with like getting used to realizing that I was bi so I think that like getting by and Daryl and Daryl and Maya's friendship were like incredibly important to me as a child I think in this rewatch I think I've been more of a Rebecca centered person but there was definitely a lot of just focusing on the queer characters and desperately hoping Rebecca and Valencia would kiss again, which they never do in middle school. Valencia, wait, Valencia and who kiss? Oh, Valencia and Rebecca. They make out in the second episode, but, you know, nothing comes of it. Yeah, I feel like that was really just um, the whole... Triangulation of desire. Yeah. Remember that whole uh, song she did about Valencia? When she was talking uh, about how yeah. she's like, she loves her, but she hates her. And then she, mm-hmm. well, remember that line in the song where she's like, I want to wear your skin as a dress. Skin. But I, at the same time, I want you to be alive so you can see me in the skin dress. In that dress and say, OMG, you look so cute in that, in my skin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Those are, I mean, when Valencia and Rebecca kiss, in my head, I was kind of like, okay, here's a straight girl experimenting with liking a woman, but at the same time hating her and not being able to understand her emotions. And mm-hmm. I think in watching the show, um, I was really just trying to like fall back into the fact like this is a TV show, you know? Yeah. I don't need to like look too deeply into this. Like I don't need to seek realism too far into it. You know, but at the same time, seeing the links that she went to just to be with Josh Chan, I truly was just like, I, I, I Rebecca. The thing that I still get stuck on was during her revenge plot when Nathaniel arranged to have Josh's grandfather's life support removed. I feel like every time there's been like a later episode and Nathaniel or Josh or Rebecca are on screen, I'm like, how are you talking to each other? Like, you almost got his grandfather killed. Yeah. I I mean, the show takes a lot of leaps. I mean, that's kind of an understatement, if we're being honest. Like, just from, mm-hmm. was, just from season one, you know? Yeah. Just, like, I, I mean... From the whole party bus situation and her fully start, like, when she started, like, dancing around the pole, I would have been like, "Uh uh-uh, we can't hang out with this girl no more. We can't be her friend. Don't invite her to anything anymore. Why is she doing this? It's too much. Like, we couldn't rent out a van and drive to the beach. We had to do all of this. Is the party bus necessary? Like, why is she, why is she so extra? You know, I feel like that would be me. Like, I would be white Josh in this situation where it's like, yeah. Why is she still hanging around us anymore? Why do y'all still talk to her? Like, what's wrong with this girl? Like, obviously, mm-hmm. we find out in later seasons that, like, she has borderline personality disorder, which, you know, makes sense. But um, I was just so 
annoyed. Wasn't Rovina is very forgiving of Rebecca. Too forgiving. Which, yeah, it's a bit unrealistic. Yeah. But it's nice to see. Mm. I mean, no. <laughs> it's no. only because she's a white woman. Like, that's literally why she that gets away with is it. very true. You know, they're yeah. okay with, like, kind of brushing that under the rug. And I think that, um, you know, I feel like the show does a good job of showing adults who still have a lot of growing up to do. Mm-hmm. Even with, like, Josh Chan, who Rebecca sees as, like, the perfect guy, but he still lives at his parents' house. You know, like, why don't you live on your own? Why don't you have your own place at this point? He was literally getting ready to um, be married to another woman. And how, why are you still in your childhood home, bro? Why don't you have an apartment? Like, they did you... move into a new apartment um, mm-hmm. after his sister's wedding. But then they broke up soon after that. So he had to move back home. And I mean, I don't think being a Aloha sales assistant pays that well i don't know what the real estate situation in west covina is but like socal in general is so fucking expensive like i get it and his parents were happy to have him back at first they just like did a total 360 later in the season after rebecca got him fired from aloha by planting merch in his locker and also threatening his mom so i don't i think the show does a lot about josh being a man child but, like, I guess I was annoyed at how they seemed to condemn that on the same level as, like, all the shit Rebecca pulls. Like, he didn't try to get anyone's dad deported, but she and Nathaniel were trying to get his dad deported. And that's another thing that's really annoying is... Oh, my gosh. Rebecca, who is, you know, on the outside, progressive white woman, and yet... If a man of color does not reciprocate your emotional feelings towards him, which granted were a little bit too much. If you're asking me, like, girl, you were doing a lot right now. You're threatening to take his grandfather off of life support. You are you're trying to get his dad deported. Like, yeah. these... I mean, she wasn't fully aware that that's what was happening. She told Nathaniel to do evil things to Josh. And then girl, Nathaniel was like, why are we having an evil things. subplot? What is your and issue? And then she was like, wait, those are too evil. Don't do those ones. Like, it never crossed your mind that, hmm, maybe I shouldn't do this thing that will ultimately destroy Josh and his family's life. Like, something that he is absolutely... the altar and she was, like, just trying to... I Yeah, she was just turning to, like, what, like, revenge thriller movies as scripts for what to do with her life. And, you and know, honestly, yeah. I understand. I get it. Being left at the altar can be like, it's a big thing. I too would be upset. Okay. I too would feel some type of way. But I feel like those reactions are overreactions. Yeah. Just I in feel my like opinion. It's just the sitcom thing of like, yeah. we need it to be big and wacky and we we're not going to treat absurd. it with the seriousness that it would have in reality. We're not going and to like, ground it in reality works, and look at the severity of the situation. They... Sometimes they, they overdo it a bit. Yeah. I feel like I was able to rationalize everything else as just sitcom happenings, but the, the life support and the deporting was, it crossed the line for me in my suspension of disbelief. Because, like, a lot of it is, like, 
you have this power over Josh because you're a rich white woman and he's Filipino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was doing, it was doing a lot. It was mm-hmm. doing a lot, a lot, a lot. Like, babe, we need to bring it back in. We need to like, you know, look at and this. And she does. Yeah, she does bring it back in, but it's, of course, like, us as the audience, we can see that Rebecca is a bit of a loose cannon at times, kind of being ruled by her emotions and just kind of letting herself be swayed by what she feels in the moment and not Mm -hmm. approaching things with logic. But if you approach things with logic in a musical, then, like, that's so fun. True. It's no fun at all. And the show is kind of like asking the overarching question of why am I like this? Am I supposed to be happy? Is this what it means to be happy? How do I find happiness? And I feel like the show does a good job of showing you how to not work through your issues for the most part. You know, if you miss somebody, you know what you shouldn't do? You shouldn't sleep with her dad. You shouldn't do mm. that. That's weird. I mean, you also the like you as a dad also should not sleep with your son's ex girlfriend. Absolutely not. What's your problem? Yeah. Like I know that you're old and you feel like you're not gonna get any coochie anytime soon. But damn, damn. I hear stories about nursing homes. Like I feel like you would have had options. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. not gonna lie, when she's walking home completely defeated, and then you just hear in the background, and there's me, Josh Groban! I fully screamed. Like, I really did, like, scream, because, like, I was like, uh-uh, the budget! The budget! Okay! We rubbing the no. Annie here! I'm surprised they had the money that they did. I mean, you can see the budget cuts in later seasons, like the season four theme song just being a replay of earlier clips. But, like, apparently season two of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was, like, the, like, least watched thing, like, ever on the network. So, like, the fact that they continued to let it run, I'm very grateful for. Yeah. The fact that they continued to give it enough money to make all these elaborate music videos each episode very surprising but also Uh glad i think that crazy ex-girlfriend is one of those um rare shows where it has something to say like it has a very strong message of obviously confronting the sexist label of crazy ex-girlfriend and exploring you know what that means and how women are affected by that label and the show is well done and well received by critics and i think it did get like a golden globe for i'm not sure for season one or season two but it's just i i saw the same thing happen with the show search party on tbs that was tbs's lowest viewed network television show but a lot of people did stream it online and the same thing happened mm-hmm. with another show on the CW called iZombie, which I discovered it on Netflix. And I think a lot of other people also discovered it on Netflix. And for, I mean, TV networks, I think it was in that weird phase where like people aren't watching it when it's airing. They're watching it when it streams. So yeah. it's kind of hard. It's it's hard to be go off of just 
the numbers off of like the live air times because people are just going to binge watch it online and then talk about mm-hmm. it and there's going to be discourse so then you have to like kind of pose the question am i going to let this show get another season just based off critical acclaim and streaming numbers when i don't see that converted into like live airtime right. numbers like you would see with other shows Right, yeah. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is also not a show that you want to blast on your large television screen oh, yeah. in a room there's that def- your family can walk into. Yeah, there's not a broad appeal to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It has a very limited um, audience, so to speak. And because the show, it obviously, like like you said, Ben's genre is of, like musical and comedy, but also it pushes mm-hmm. the envelope. It's not something that's going to draw in a lot of people, like uh, um, not like The Vampire Diaries did... Or the same yeah. way that Jane the Virgin did, you know. It's the not... song "Heavy Boobs" probably killed Heavy the, boobs. the rest Heavy of the boobs. stragglers. <laughs> Dance like dying stars. <laughs> yes, or a song where you said, "You ruined everything, you stupid, stupid bitch. You're just a lying little bitch who ruins things." And I thought it was poopy little slut. Maybe that's really? a different verse. It might be a different verse, but to be honest, every single time I actually used to like listen to that song way too much in a, in a period a of my totally life. healthy way. Ah, oh, girl. <laughs> I like. I'm glad I don't know the lyrics to that song anymore. I think that shows growth. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I think that's my growth. That's how I determine growth. The fact that I. I mean, I still remember the song Generalized About Men, just because that's a banger. Oh, absolutely. And they looked great. The outfits. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah, no, it really made the line, your sons are going to be rapists, like, hilarious. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think that's what I love the most about the show, is that, obviously, it's a feminist show, but I like that the presentations of the song seem very, like, positive optimistic and then you listen to the lyrics and it's like oh my gosh what are y'all doing and that's what lends to the comedy like let's generalize about men a lot of people would see that song and be like you see that's what feminism is about it's a general stuff about men they just say that men are all terrible but it's a joke it's satire you know it's making fun of what people think feminism is and they're just trying to like let you in on the joke like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend really is, like, the most twisted version of High School Musical if all the high schoolers were grown-ass adults and had jobs and lived lives, but they still act like they are 14-year-old teens figuring out their bodies and what they need. Like, who who am I? How do I fit into society? What is this world? You know? Yeah. Right. You mentioned Crazy Ex-Girlfriend being a feminist show, and it is what it feels very white feminist- yeah. At times, especially with Valencia, like in the episode when they go to that like music festival or whatever in the desert and like Rebecca's explaining the pay gap to her or yeah. whatever, like, come on. I think that, um, I don't know if Valencia is meant to be like just the hot girl who's also smart or... I mean, it kind of felt right. like... It starts out as, like, the mean girlfriend of the, the guy you want trope. And they flush her out a lot, and I appreciate that. Yeah. But, yeah. I will say that 
Um, there are a lot of criticisms about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which, of course, I can understand. But I think that, well, when I did my research, I guess, and I was looking into it, for the most part, uh, I feel like a lot of the things that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend needed to work on, I think that they did kind of repair some of it in the later seasons. Because whenever a show comes out and it's mm-hmm. like the first season or second season, I'm willing to like be lenient. I'm willing to be like, you know what? We're for, yeah. we're just trying this out. We're putting it out there. You know, it's a, it's a rough draft, so to speak. And I get that not everybody is going to fall head over heels in love with the show. I mean, I didn't either. I was fully, I'm still full, I was fully annoyed by Rebecca and all of her bullshit. Like I couldn't even like deal with it at one point. And then at some point in the show, it's kind of like, okay, there is something else going on here. And I need to be a little more open-minded, you know, a little less like, a little less harsh on Rebecca as a character and just not just see her because now I'm seeing her as a craziest girlfriend but really just see what she's doing and like understand like how sometimes we're like that sometimes we're Rebecca Bunch where mm. you are so desperate for a change in your life that you're willing to do something so out of left field just to feel something and you will chase that um kind of vision or you will chase that idea to the point where, you know, no one can really stop you. You know, you're just kind of like going for it full force and you commit to it 100% just to see if it'll work out, just to see if it's going to pan out, just to see if this is what, if, if this is the thing that you need. And um, yeah, I mean, I yeah. fully just went on a thing. I fully went, I just, I kept talking and I was going to bring it back <laughs> okay. and then I lost, I lost the plot. I'm sorry. All good. Yeah. <laughs> I wish the compassion the show extends to Rebecca was extended more to other characters. Or, I don't know, I think, like, re-watching this and, like, re-seeing Crazy Ex-Girlfriend's take on psychiatry was pretty interesting to me. Because I feel like this was, like, it's, like, part of the swath of shows whose, like, mental health takes are just, like go to therapy and take your meds you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like it's like clearly from an air from like they're speaking to an audience where they like assume that therapy and meds are stigmatized to them and like the only advice that they need is to like keep doing the work and stuff so like there's the episode where what like josh is trying to self-diagnose on Quimble Pop by taking quizzes and the show really mocks him for that. Um I don't things like that are like it's very like trust in the medical professionals and then do these two things without really like addressing like psych psychiatric abuse or whatever. And I don't think that's something like the show needed to do. But I guess I guess the main thing that I am reacting to is the character of Bert because we're introduced to him in what season 1 and like he's like this conspiracy theorist who lives in a sewer and he's like diagnosed with schizophrenia um and then like 
later he shows up in Rebecca's like BPD like group therapy thing and the thing is that like all the group therapy scenes like the other characters are like bit characters you know what I mean like they're not really given depth and all of Rebecca's friends are supposedly neurotypical even though I see they have things going on with them but like those things are like sitcom rule things instead of like something that is like mental mental illness according to the writers and then so Bert's there and he continues to like be a bit character and then as soon as he becomes like one of the partners at white feather or mountaintop the firm that rebecca works at like he stops displaying symptoms because he's now a character you're supposed to like and take seriously and i don't know i feel like rebecca was like the only one that they were willing to go on a respectful mental health journey with in the show and like it's cool that they did it once would be cool if they did it multiple times though yeah i do agree with you and i it is kind of weird how rebecca supposedly is the only person hold on what the frick hmm. sorry it's telling me i lost connection can you hear me yeah i can hear you Okay, it just told me I lost connection for some reason. Okay. Alright, um, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, like I was saying, um, it does seem weird. I never thought about that. I never thought about how Rebecca is the only person in her friend group who really has, like, who is not neurotypical. I mean, there is the example of Greg, but Greg is kind of like... I don't want to say it's like the male version he's, of Rebecca, but he's a he's, lot like her. Yeah, I mean, Trent is the male version of Rebecca. Greg yes. is a sexy lamp for her to fall upon sometimes when yes. the plot requires it. Yeah. Greg is the backup plan, basically. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do think that... I mean, yeah, it is weird that Rebecca's the only person in her friend group right. that isn't and neurotypical Karen because... is, like, a crazy cat lady type character. And, like, they make jokes about her having manic episodes and then she just gets fired and leaves. And, like, she doesn't get any depth either. It's odd mm -hmm. that they are, like, actually taking mental health seriously with one character and then just not really... The others for like minor characters yeah yeah and i mean that does happen a lot when mm. uh the the main character in the show is also kind of like an extension of the creator where there is a lot of leniency and compassion towards them yeah and their struggle and we as the audience are supposed to be sympathetic towards them and what they're going through and mm -hmm. i can be sympathetic but only to a certain extent because truly, if I had Rebecca as a friend, I would tell her to, like, girl, I would literally sit yeah. her down and be like, Rebecca, I want you to tell me what the fuck you think is going on right now. I want you to tell me what you think is up right now. Because mm -hmm. I've seen everything going on here. And I'm confused. 
So I don't know right. how you can wake up in the morning and think that everything is fine and dandy. Like, girl, you need to get a grip. I mean, Paula's her best friend. And, and Paula, Paula's like, just too. Just sick and Paula twisted. too. I'm not going to lie. I love Paula down. I do. I love yeah. Paula down because a lot of times... Also, Donald and Champlin can sing. She, she can fucking can sing. sing. She can sing and she can act. And I love that we have um a, you know, a mom in the show who isn't yeah. just a mom you know she has mm-hmm. her own ambitions she has her yeah. own wants and desires i loved her and, lawyer arc yes and does she go a little bit too far with rebecca and do a lot of things that you didn't ask for yes <laughs> but you know i mean she was a fun she was fun like as a best friend she's a lot of fun i do love her love her down mm. yeah um what else uh i do want to talk about i do think that you also mentioned something else that i wrote down uh it does seem like other characters are kind of i don't know how else to say this dumbed down yeah to be parallels for rebecca for like her one problem per episode Mm -hmm. like valencia is of course she has like the whole song where she's playing the guitar and she's singing yeah. to like the group of women. Women gotta stick together. I mean, I'm not yep. gonna lie. I love, I love that song. She is so much fun. I love her as a character, truly. But I think that, I mean, the only character who's really like smarter than Rebecca is Heather and then White Josh. Right. But you don't really get to see them a lot in this. Yeah. In the show. Both of them are kind of just snarky. Heather gets a bit of depth in like the growing up and leaving community college and yeah. becoming an adult thing yeah and why joe gets a bit of growth in just his relationship with daryl but that's pretty daryl centered so yeah yeah i feel like they are not given the emotional weight that also, other side characters like paula are correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think that like white josh having beef with rebecca isn't really brought up until like the later seasons Right. Uh, I think in the early seasons, he's like, who is this girl? How are all my friends in love with her and stuff mm-hmm. on the party bus and all that? Okay. Yeah. I just remember, like, of course, the last episode where he's like, girl. Yeah. <laughs> he's fully. Never liked you and my house burned down. Yes. He is like fully over it. And I'm just like, you know what? That's real. That's real. That's a real one yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, I do want to say, I there are a lot of things that I do like about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend in, with also something they don't like. Like, mm-hmm. I love... It's funny that they did this, that, you know, there's Josh Chan and then there's White Josh. Because usually yeah. it's the other way around. Right, Where there's yeah. like, hey guys, this is my friend Sam, and then this is Black Sam, you know? Mm-hmm. We call him Black Sam because his name is Sam, but he's also black, so, you know, just to distinguish it. But White Josh, I feel like it's funny because, like, White Josh feels like an oxymoron, in a way, if you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean. And I like Are that Josh Chan redundant. is- Redundant, yeah. Yes, very redundant. And I like that Josh is the love interest because oftentimes you don't see- Asian men being seen as a love interest. So you know what? Mm -hmm. Representation. Love to see it. And I... The fans hate (laughs) him. They were so mean to him. Like, like if I I watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, like, 
without any knowledge of the outside world i feel like i would have been like josh is fun but like after seeing how everyone like despises him and just wants to suck greg sloppy or suck nathaniel sloppy i'm like josh chan is the best character on crazy ex-girlfriend he has so much depth that you'll never be able to plumb i'm not gonna lie i didn't really like nathaniel i do remember yeah no Season two, when they were doing, like, the whole song introducing Nathaniel and, like, joking about how, like, they're bringing Nathaniel in because they need a white guy in here as a main character. I mean, oh, here's this new guy just to keep the network happy. And, like, Mm -hmm. I I love that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend does that. They're straight up just, like, in their song, like, this is a show, but also, like, (laughs) we need another season. CW, do not cancel us, please, okay? We did one song about period sex, like, (laughs) please, keep us on the air. Yep. You know? Peroxetine, Peroxetine, Veloxetine, Veloxetine. Our lawyers won't let us say brand names. Let's see brand names. (laughs) Yeah. But Nathaniel and his whole thing, I mean, I like... The actor is obviously a good actor. He's a great actor. And they keep saying how hot he is in the show and like I don't he's see it. not. I don't see it. Like, I don't see it. I Heather's like literally standing over there, like, go talk about her. I mean, like I, I White Josh. White Josh is hot. I'll have to say that. Hector is hot. He's buff. Heather's yeah, sorry, Heather's hot. Hector's hot. Josh Chan is yeah, is buff. Oh. I'm offended. Mm. What? I'm, I'm fully offended. You don't think Josh Chan is hot? I He's just not my type. I feel like overly what? muscular guys are just not my type. He's cute. He's like what? a nice guy. He's so hot. What do you mean? I mean, plenty of people think that, and I will not dissuade them of that notion. Wow. I am fully offended by what you said. There's, I don't think there's any man on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend that I'm attracted to. I think all the women are hot, though. I mean, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that, um, I mean, with Nathaniel, he's kind of meant to be, like, the villain character. And then after a while, we're kind of meant to like you know he's nice now i'm nice now he's a nice guy now and i just want you to know that i will never be on your side nathaniel i don't like you (laughs) we forever have beef you tried to get josh's dad deported when you that was your idea (laughs) when y'all were sitting in the interrogation room saying that hitler didn't do anything wrong he was just sad because his brother died that's when I was like, okay, you know what? I just gotta hit the deuce right now. I understand it's a TV show. I understand we're doing comedy. I understand it's satire. Yeah, and that we're basically Rebecca's saying that Jewish like, identity is really important to her character. So it's like a little bit when it comes important. from her, it's like a little bit. But like he's joining in. Like you don't get to say that, buddy. Yeah. I'm. I'm just kind of sitting here, like, uh, why? Like, I'm. I'm not gonna lie. Um, Stripper in my conscious. Love that song. Oh, it's such a fucking. It's banger. a banger. It's a banger. It's a banger. It's a hit. Okay, I, I'll play yeah. it. Every, like I'll Make sing it all the way jump through. Jump on your cocksuredness. I mean, yes, we we love to see it. Okay, lyricism. Okay, yeah. at its finest. Let's have intercourse. Is also incredibly funny. It's very good. Also, I go to the zoo. I go to That's, the zoo. Yep, 
I feel that. Yeah, they gave Nathaniel all the good songs. Like, I feel like Josh doesn't get a good song until, like, I've Got My Head in the Clouds, where Vin- Vincent Rodriguez III really gets to showcase his singing and dancing talent. But, oh, like, that was that's good. not a particularly memorable one. It's yeah. just very good because he did so good at the dancing because he's like a professional dancer. And that song also kind of was that show that song was a highlight the absurdity of him becoming a priest. Yeah. In response to everything that's happened in his life. Like his yeah. friend is fully just like, Okay, Josh, I get that you want to change, but maybe we should seriously think about this because mm. I get no pussy. I have. I get. I don't get any. I have. I got no bitches. None. Father Bra is it's pretty just, great. Oh, Father Bra is like my favorite. He truly is one of my favorite side characters in the show, besides yeah. Heather. Like, he. No, every time he shows up, it is a delight. I would be at every Sunday, sir. Every mass, every <laughs> prayer meeting, every okay, Bible Father study. Okay, Bra is hot. I will. I will give a hottest point to one man. I'll be at every fish fry. Man. Every single fish fry. First one to arrive, <laughs> last one to leave. Okay. Whatever you need, Father. Yes, Father. Yeah. Yep. I listen. That's my hot priest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, no hate to Andrew Scott. Love you. Yeah, beloved. he's not really. Just, he's not really my type. Like he's. I like him a lot mm-hmm. as a character on Fleabag. Oh, very good. I would not automatically classify him as a hot priest. He's just sort of a guy. Andrew Scott perfectly fits Fleabag's type, as mm. just like absolutely someone who outside just seems so um perfect in a way and so unattainable which is why she was so drawn to him as a love interest and that's when you know it's like girl we are back on our bullshit you've got to be kidding me (laughs) we went from three squats in the park to this really come on i think it was sort of a moment of growth for her or it turned into a moment of growth for her to fall in love with a priest crystal yes it was delusion at its finest she was able to I think the fact that he was a priest and they couldn't fuck really helped her be able to like connect to the emotional side of relationships mm-hmm. in a way that she couldn't when she was just like having a lot of meaningless sex in season 1 and but feeling so so sad. But that just made it worse after they broke up. That just made yeah. it hurt more. It yeah, it is a painful season to watch, but bro. Like they leave and I believe that both of them are going to make it out of this. Which is something that was less true of Fleabag in season one. So I think it was a moment of growth for both of them. I will never forgive Phoebe Waller-Bridge for looking directly in the camera and leaving me behind. How dare you give me yeah. the sorrow and then not give me a, a good conclusion. <laughs> How dare you do this to me and say that you're going to... She looked at us, us at the audience and she said, you know what, I'm fine. I'll be alright. Leaving the audience alone. She doesn't need us anymore. We're not her crutch. But I need you. I need you, Fleabag. I need my resolution. I need absolution. I need resolve. How dare you do this to me? And then the fox. It'll pass. No, it still hasn't. (laughs) It never has. It still hasn't. Whenever I feel like doing my Fleabag rewatch, that's what I know. I need to, like, I'm I'm on some bullshit. That's what I know. Mm. I need to get my life together. You know? <laughs> you know you look around your room and you're like, oh girl. 
How did it get to this point? How did we get here? Yeah, that's you on Fleabag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've only rewatched it once, and it was to introduce my former roommate to it. And yeah, it was definitely an experience to see it again. I think Fleabag... I watched it all in like one feverish night, starting at midnight. Yes. Like yes. over the summer post good omen season one. Oh my god and it sure did do something to me i remember when i first watched fleabag because i just heard people talking about it honestly fleabag is one of those shows where people kind of like mention it online and they recommend it and they talk about it a little bit but they don't tell you what the show's about they just say the show is mm-hmm. amazing and you should watch it so then i was like fine i'll watch it i'll see what this is about it keeps popping up on my amazon prime and it seems like the most popular show on amazon prime it seems like yes in the way where it's like it's very popular but at the same time it's not that well known you know so mm-hmm. i decided to watch it i watched it in like i I watched it i started it at like three o'clock i finished it at like seven and immediately yeah. i was like oh my god how do I move on? How yeah. how do I live my life? How do I interact with people anymore? How do I go on being a normal human being when I have witnessed this and there's nobody to take this weight off my chest? What did I watch? What the fuck? It's like, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, why did you do this to me? Like, And then I remember season two came out and I was like so scared to watch season two. Oh, you like, watched them separately. I, I mean, like, I watched season, season one first, and then I anticipated for season two, and they came out, and then I, you know, right. started from the beginning. I didn't and then watch until season two. Both seasons were out, bro. So was... at least I feel like I, f- I feel like I got the better deal. I feel like <gasps> at least I consider season two to be a lot more hopeful. I mean, at least I had time to digest season one, and then when season two yeah. came out, I was like, okay, but it, it still left me just like in tatters. Yeah, yeah. Oh and it gosh. also left Obama in tatters. What? No, it's there was remember how okay, that guy does his like what like shows of the year, music of the year, whatever. What he stuff. mentioned Fleabag? He mentioned Fleabag, he mentioned Fleabag season two, and for every other show he did not specify the season. And it is because he wanted to tell everyone <laughs> he did not watch Phoebe Waller Bridge Jack off to him. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, bro. I'm just... <laughs> Sir, we know you watched season one. You don't want to say yeah, that you... Yeah, you would just skip to yeah. season two. Yeah, what what, 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 like, what You're making you it have? more obvious that yeah. you're aware of the masturbation yeah. scene by specifying the season. You're not slick. You don't think we don't know? We know. We all know. We all know, Brock. Okay. I have to say, like, if I found out, listen, if I had, if that happened to, if I was yeah. a public figure and yeah. someone put that in the show and I had to, like, I, 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 I mean, I wouldn't even mention it. I wouldn't even, like, <laughs> there would be right, nothing. I guess it really says something to Fleabag's quality that he felt like he had to commend it <laughs> despite that. <laughs> He was like, listen, that scene, that one scene was a little, mm, but season two, that was a triumph. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm not even going to front with you. Like, Olivia Coleman, she brought me in, but damn, that was good. Mm. And also, I think Fleabag was my introduction to Olivia Coleman. 
Huh. Yeah, I don't remember if I watched The Favorite before after. I think I watched The Favorite after I watched Fleabag. I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember which came first. Whichever uh, one came oh, The first. Favorite came out in 2018, so we would have... Well, okay, I watched Fleabag in 2019, when so I would have seen The Favorite came first. Come, come out. Let's see... I'm pretty sure I watched Fleabag first. Yeah, season 1, 2016, season okay. 2, 2019. Yeah, so I did watch Fleabag first, and then I watched The Favorite. And I don't think it really, like, registered in my mind that that was, oh, that's the lady from Fleabag. I was just kind of watching The Favorite. And then when I rewatched yeah. Fleabag, I was like, oh my gosh, that's Olivia Coleman." Yeah, yeah. Right, I think I did The Favorite, and then Fleabag, and then... Broadchurch, but that was for David Tennant because I was oh still in my, my post Good Omens. I love Broadchurch so much. I think I didn't watch the second season. I think I only watched the first. I should maybe return to that. I've seen all three seasons. That show destroyed me. That show absolutely just destroyed. Like I, I can't. Like I. Oh my gosh. Even I remember watching a compilation of that show. And then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there are certain characters that are not playing this compilation because they know. They know. And also, I also went, I, listen, I'm still yeah. in my whole, like, if David Tennant is in something, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I mean, it, it I is mean, what it I, is. He's a good actor. Like, I he's haven't seen actor. all of his stuff. I mean, I've just seen Doctor Who, Good Omens, Broadchurch, and then his Hamlet and his Much Do About Nothing. One day I will get a hand, like my hands on his Love's Labor's Lost, but currently it is only available like in a specific library in the UK. But, you know, one day I'll liberate it. I'm not gonna lie. I find it offensive when David Tennant does a project and it's only available on a certain streaming service. It's like, Mm. sir, I want to support you. You know this. (laughs) You know that I will watch anything you're in. Don't make it impossible for me. Like, don't do this, you know. It doesn't have to be readily accessible all the time. Isn't there a show he did called, like, I don't know if it's called Devs, but he plays, like, a serial killer, and he has, like, the creepy haircut and the glasses, and it's, like, really... I don't know. I remember hearing about that show, and there's also another show he did where he's, like, a father of an autistic girl, I think, and that's also on my watch list. It's been on my watch list for forever, that's something I do have uh, to watch, but um, yeah. like, is it is it ableist? I feel I always feel wary I of shows know. with that kind of premise. But I'm not gonna lie, I didn't even watch Atypical because I was like, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna like swim in the sea of discourse. I just won't even bother. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna leave it alone. Right? Have you watched Everything's Gonna Be Okay? I haven't watched that show. I have heard a little bit about it, but I haven't watched it. I'm not gonna lie. When I first saw it on hulu mm-hmm. and i was just kind of like mm, this is giving me like se- one season this is giving me like one it season got with- canceled after season two which oh. i will always be very sad about because i need josh thomas to make more television <laughs> like he made he made please like me and then he made this and now i don't know what he's doing but i need him back josh thomas i feel like i've heard that name before He's he just like created everything's gonna be okay and also please like me which is like an Australian like four season show from like 
way back when that he also starred in and wrote he's like a stand-up guy also i don't think his stand-up is that good but like i like his tv writing a lot oh it happens you know a lot of times people are really good at just like writing funny dialogue but when it actually comes to kind of like being on stage and performing and doing like punchlines, it doesn't really come mm-hmm. across the same way. And I think that, I mean, I feel like that's fine, you know, because yeah. I, I feel the same way about um, Seth Meyers because I think he's a mm-hmm. good interviewer and I feel like he was really, really good on Weekend Update, but his standup isn't my favorite. You know. huh. I don't also, think it, I don't think I've seen any of his stand-up, but I imagine it would be not that funny, given that Weekend Update isn't even that funny. Like the only funny parts are the jokes Seth can't say segment. Well, I mean that's off of his actual show he has right now. When I start, when I talk about Weekend Update, I mean like when he was on oh. SNL. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess I I don't have that much of a history with SNL. Also, um, Jimmy Carr, I feel like he's a really good host, but I don't find him to be like a really funny comedian. You know? I have no clue who that is. I'm going to look it up and see if I recognize the face. He's a British comedian. He has like, he had a Netflix show that I, I watched sometimes, but it wasn't really my thing. Also, um, who's that guy mm-hmm. that hosts like the big quiz, like the big TV quiz that they do? In the UK. I feel like that's what he no. does, Jimmy Carr. I see. Yeah. Yeah, I don't recognize his face on the Wikipedia page. The big, oh yeah, the big fat quiz of the year. Yeah, that's Jimmy Carr. He does it. Got the big it. fat quiz of like 2023, big fat quiz of 2021. Those videos are actually very funny and I do enjoy them, mainly because Richard Ayutawe, he's mm-hmm. like always in it and he's very funny to me. He's hilarious. He doesn't do stand-up. He's mainly just, like, a comedian. And he's an actor, too. And I find him mm-hmm. to be... And he's also from the show The IT Crowd. I don't know if you watched that, but it's one of my I favorite shows ever. I love it. It's one of my favorite shows. What's the premise? It's about um, these two guys that work at the IT department. And then this woman gets hired. Um, she pretends like she knows a lot about IT, but she was always just trying to find a job. And she works with them. And that's basically the premise, but it's honestly such a funny show and it's really quirky and it went on for a lot of seasons and mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoyed it. And also Matt Berry yeah. is in it and Matt Berry is one oh, of nice. actors ever. I've not seen him in anything besides What We Do in the Shadows. Yes. What We Do in the Shadows is perfection. The show and the movie is hilarious. Yeah. I love that. I think he was also in a show called Toast of London. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Toast of London is an older show he did. That's not the show that I watched. He was in. Um, I also also seen him in the show Year of the Rabbit, which was fun, okay. but it um, it's kind of hard to watch it. I think I saw it on Amazon Prime, but I had to get like some kind of extra um subscription to watch it. But I think it's on Channel Four. And with Channel 4, all you have to do is, like, get your, uh, what is it, VPN, and Mm. then switch it to the UK, and then you can just watch whatever you want. 
Okay. And I also okay. watched Year of the Rabbit because Susan Wokama is in it. And she was in Chewing Gum. And I love Chewing Gum. Oh, I haven't seen Chewing Gum, but I saw... Is it called I May Destroy You? Yes, or... I May Destroy yeah. You. I haven't watched that yet. It's on my mm. watch list. It's been on my watch list yeah. for forever. I mean, it's heavy, but that's known. Yeah. I mean, I would expect nothing less, because um, Michaela Cole also had oh, a show Cole, called yeah. Black Earth Rising, which I tried to get into, but I really couldn't see, like, a huge... What to say, but I really could see like the point behind the show. Like, I was trying to figure out why I try to like be like, What's the plot? Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, what am I supposed to be discovering? And it's also, it was a mini series on mm-hmm. Netflix, and I low key gave up halfway through. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you're watching things on Netflix and you it's in your it's in your watch list for so long where you're like, I may as well just see what this is about. I may as well just see what, mm-hmm. if I even like this. And I mean, I didn't, but you know, it was, yeah. it was a good exploration. Yeah. yeah. You it was tried fun. out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, crazy. Okay. We got very far off from crazy ex-girlfriend. What were we talking about? I don't even remember. Oh yeah. Honest. I don't know. What are your top songs? Okay, first of all, top song. Um, I'm going to say right off the gate, um, let's generalize about men. Yes. Okay. Banger. It's a hit. Love it. Um, I used to know how to do the dance. Like, I knew how to... Wow. Yeah. No, yeah. I was in it. For real. Um, I would also say antidepressants are so not a big deal. I actually yeah. really, really love this song. Because it not only just like destigmatizes having prescription meds, but mm-hmm. you're right that the show does lean heavy on um what is it? This the show does lean heavy on just like doctor analysis and going to a, like a medical professional, which right. I would also suggest if you're dealing with a serious mental illness. But right. if you're if you feel like you can kind of figure out what's going on with you by just doing some Googles, I mean, I'm not like a hundred percent against it. I do know that going to a medical professional helps you get more definitive about what's going on with me. Why am I like this? How, why do I feel this way? Yeah. And I think- there's also like ways in which an official diagnosis can hurt you a lot. Like I think there's certain countries where like, your immigration chances are hurt if you have like an autism diagnosis like yeah. on paper like there's that and there's also the fact that like i think rebecca is very lucky in that she has like an understanding therapist and people around but like a lot of therapists are like oh i'm just here to like treat depression and anxiety and everything else is like scary and i'm gonna be like weirdly shitty about it like I, I mean, I feel like who, that's like, what her old therapist yeah. was like. He just kind of put her on drugs and was like, I mean, that I guess true. take this. And it's good that yeah. she has a therapist that yeah, will take I'm the time for her to talk to her and help her. But also, I I blame Crazy's girlfriend for this. There has mm-hmm. been this new trope in my brain, at least I've been okay. noticing, 
with black female therapists. Yes. Black women will tell you what's going on with you, how to fix it, how to be better. Mm-hmm. And of course, the main character doesn't listen, doesn't adjust, doesn't do what they say. Is this, are you talking about Never Have I Ever? Right Never now? Have I Ever. I'm talking about <laughs> Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I'm talking about so many shows. Like, there's another show that yeah. comes to my brain, but I can't remember the name exactly. But this keeps happening. Where yeah, y'all cast... Very, like they're nurturing yes why it's giving modern mammy that's what it is yeah like i mean there are so many times where rebecca has gone to her therapist and straight up she was like listen let's you know look and examine what's going on here and of course rebecca just wants to do whatever she feels like doing and whenever oh my gosh there when the therapist finally had her moment and sang her song and mm-hmm. she was like, I'm just going to quit if she doesn't listen to yeah. me. And I was like, girl, I mean, you should have quit a long time ago. But you know what? I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I would have been, I would have been pissed if I had to mm-hmm. sit here and listen to this woman talk about all the things she did wrong and then come to me and ask me to just write a prescription. It don't work like that here. It don't work like mm-hmm. that in my office. I don't, that's not how I run things. Yeah. Um, I also do love the song No One Else Is Taking My Song. That's one of yeah. my favorite songs. I really enjoy the harmony. Yeah. It's a very fun video. I mean, I feel like that does kind of speak to um, depression. How a lot of times when people are going through that, they kind of feel alone and they feel like they're the only person dealing with whatever is going on with them. And mm-hmm. you kind of have to be like, no, girl. You're not in this alone. Like, I got you. I got your back. And you realize that more people feel the same way you do. And it's, you're not by yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There are a few other songs that I do like. Um, I have to say one of my least favorite songs is Jap Battle. Just because yeah. it's, it's so cringy. It's yeah, really don't they literally say the line, we've established we're okay with black people? Like, yes. Isn't that one of the lyrics? Yeah. It's giving it's uh, the Mormon. It doesn't <laughs> <like> giving. <laughs> it's like, okay. For real. Great. That's good to know. I'm glad that we've established that, even though there aren't really many black people in your show, but you know what? That's fine. Yeah. Whatever. Um, it was a shit show. Love that. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the best farewell songs ever. Because, like... I think I just am biased against Greg and don't like things that he said. I mean, I feel like I generally... There are some characters I do like, but I do like Greg just because he kind of feels like the only character that's grounded in reality. You know? In yeah, my opinion. Yeah, that's true. And like, if, the, if this was a Muppets movie, he would be the one human. Yeah. And I... I am going to say I do love Skylar Austin. Austin, yeah. Austin. I do love him as an actor. I think he's really cool. Um, when they kind of bring him in on season four, it's kind of like, okay, we couldn't get... Um, Santino you know, Fontana back. Santino Fontana yeah. back because he's busy. And you know what? Good for him for <laughs> being busy. We love to see it. You know, we stand a king. And mm-hmm. Skylar asked. Aston kind of being um, a kind of recognizable face from Pitch Perfect. He was in Pitch Perfect, right? 
Yeah, I saw that on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> okay. So him... I haven't seen Pitch Perfect. Yeah. I, it's been a while since I've seen Pitch Perfect, so I'm just, I'm guessing. But he, you know, being kind of like a recognizable face to try to bring in, you know, some viewers to the last season. Because I think the last season had pretty, they anticipated kind of low ratings for the final season. Mm. Yeah. I think season three is the best season out of all the seasons of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, in my opinion. That's... I, huh, let me think. Yeah, I think seasons one and three were the most emotionally affecting. Yeah. Um, You Stupid Bitch is also good, but mm. I, um, I don't know if there's another song that I really love i think i also like don't be a lawyer simply because oh yeah it allowed one of the side characters in the show just to kind of have like his own moment which i guess that's what i enjoy about the show because it's a musical it does allow the side characters to at least participate you know they get to sing and dance too and i feel like that's Mm -hmm. fun you know for your job to be where you come in and act but can also like do a little song and dance i feel like that's enjoyable you know so I, I definitely like that. I do think that, like, yeah. definitely in the last season, at least, a lot more of these side characters did get more of a moment. Like, uh-huh. the new guy that they brought in with the glasses, he definitely had uh-huh. more lines than I had anticipated him having. And I liked his character. He was fun, you know? He was Wait, being, what like, new guy? The new guy in the last season, he, like, worked at the pretzel shop. Oh, AJ. AJ, yeah. yes. But he was giving, like, you know, gay best friend. Oh, definitely. 100%. Yeah. yeah. What were some of your favorite songs in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Um, I feel like despite not liking Greg that much, I feel like Hello, Nice to Meet You is just like, I enjoyed it a lot musically. So it's one that I listen to a lot. Um, I'm very fond of Love's Not a Game as just like the final big ensemble song where everyone gets their moment again because mm-hmm. I knew that I was going to miss everyone. I think we'll never have problems again is very fun. Yeah. And it does play in my head a lot when I decide to lie to myself. Um, Obviously, Let's Generalize About Men is up there. Um, I think... Yeah. Oh, also Getting By, obviously, is there just because of Baby Crystal really needing that. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we covered all the iconic songs already. But yeah. yeah. Um I do also like reflecting back on Crazy Ex Girlfriend, I am glad that the show does exist because there are definitely some moments where Rebecca does get on my nerves. Like, mm-hmm. when she's talking to, like, younger women, and she's giving us, like, very much, like, women and gender studies one-on-one lectures. It's like, girl, nobody talks to this 12-year-old girls about, like, the patriarchy like that. Like, please act like a normal human being for, like, five minutes, you know. But mm-hmm. I think that the ex-examination of her mental illness and where all of this kind of comes from and why she acts the way that she does is... um something that you don't see a lot in television and I remember it was season two the finale Mm. when she's on the plane and you know 
I'm watching this show and to me it's like a comedy. It's like a comedy musical and it's also a romance. And we are experiencing all this stuff that's happening with Rebecca and seeing what she is going through and what she's doing. And of course me watching the show as a fan, but also someone who is like highly critical of the show. Like, girl, why are we doing all of this? Seeing her act out of pocket, I'm just kind of looking and I'm like, why is this happening? Why is she acted up like this? Why is she? I feel doing like all of I that? found a lot of her actions fairly understandable, which I think says something about me. Yeah, I think it, it does, girl. But um, I feel like with uh the end of season two uh i'm not sure if it's the when end she's of... left at the altar or are you talking about the suicide attempt on the plane which is mid season three i think okay so then i think yeah the plane mm-hmm. okay so i got that mixed up yeah but with the plane um episode that's really when i'm watching the show and i'm kind of like okay uh hmm yikes you know i'm i'm really i was just kind of like sitting there watching it and i think that's really you know there's always that point when you're i guess listening or watching a musical and Mm. you're watching a romance movie or something and you're watching any kind of piece of media where the main character kind of lives in these delusions of grandeur and you as the audience have to follow along with them because they are the protagonists and they're leading the story. And me watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I see Rebecca as like an unreliable narrator in a way. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to that moment, it's it made me as a viewer re-examine how I saw Rebecca because in my head, I'm like, this girl is doing too much. She's acting up. She's acting a fool. Why are we doing all this? Why are we acting like this? Why is she like... I, I just don't understand. And then we get to this point, And of course, when she's on the plane, the natural thing that comes in my head is like, are we doing this over a guy? Is it is it that serious? But then I had to be like, it's, it's not. not. And then I had to think to myself, it's not just a guy though. If we are yeah. at this point, it's not just about a guy. There's something else. Josh is a distraction. Greg, Nathaniel, her job, whatever. It's a distraction. She's focusing on this one thing. And we think she moved to West Covina because she wants to be with Josh. And she feels like that's going to make her happy. Why does she feel like that's going to make her happy? Because she's depressed. Because she's sad. Because she doesn't feel fulfilled in her Mm -hmm. high paying job. And her, you know, from the outside looking in, beautiful life. But really what it is is that she's not happy. That's just it. Rebecca isn't happy. She's depressed. So she's chasing after a guy because she thinks it's going to make her feel better. But that's the wrong thing. So then we think that she's crazy because she's going after a guy. And like we're basically um, overgeneralizing or I guess like not really like. Wait, are you talking about the Dream Ghost plane episode in season one or the suicide attempt I'm in talking, season three? Okay. I'm talking about season Sorry. three. I'm talking okay, about cool, sh- cool. Because talking... I feel like I had that kind of a realization with the, well, earlier, but also during the season yeah. one dream ghost episode sorry Sorry. continue i was talking about the episode i was talking about season three and i'm also talking about the show in general Mm because i feel like that was the point for me when i'm watching the show where i'm just like rebecca needs to see somebody like that's really when i was at the point where i was like she needs to talk to somebody because when i started watching crazy ex-girlfriend 
I compared it to the Mindy Project, where Mindy Kaling has a show where she's a doctor and she dates all these guys so she's falling in love and she's just focusing on relationship after relationship after relationship after relationship. And that's the one thing I find annoying about romance, even though it's like romance, obviously people are gonna like chase after, you know, you're going to go after a romantic partner, after your crush, after your love interest. And in my head, mm-hmm. I'm like, can we please just like pick up a book and do something else? Can we please find some other interest besides Dick? And in watching the show, I should have seen it as Bojack Horseman. I should have seen it that as... That is the main show I compare the show to. Yeah. This is a unreliable narrator who is living this life seeking pleasure after pleasure after pleasure, desire after desire to fill the empty hole in their life. When what you really need to do is take a minute, take a beat, look within yourself and just ask yourself girl what's going on with me mm-hmm. what's going on with me that's really all there is to it yeah that's my long spiel about like <laughs> my moment when i was watching that because that episode really yeah. didn't take me out because uh-huh. i couldn't i when i realized what was happening i had to uh-huh. just skip to the next episode because mm. that's when i was like this is triggering for me i have to yeah. move past this i need to see what happens next and I was like, of course she's going to be okay because she's the main character. But it was also mm-hmm. just like, it's those moments where you're watching the show and you're like, they talked about period sex. They talked about waxing their butthole and heavy boobs. You know, it's kind of yeah. like, the show is basically being like, this is, this seems funny and like heartwarming and like, it's a musical, but this is an adult show. So we're going to talk about adult things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I was like, crying like in episodes in like season one already i feel like i don't know like her struggle with happiness seemed very like central to season one i feel like i i don't know i feel like they really hammer home the whole like she is using this as a distraction thing especially in the episodes with her therapist but i agree that the season three plane scene is like really upping the game in terms of like oh it is that serious yeah what did you think about how they ended it in season four with the the three dates thing um to be honest anytime i um anytime a show ends and it's Mm -hmm. kind of ending on its own accord I'm always of the mindset of like, okay, this may not be the best. And <laughs> this may not be good. And I'm just gonna say, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take whatever expectations I have for this. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna leave it up to, you know, what the show has planned for me, what the show has in store, whatever Miss McKenna and Miss Bloom drew up for us. That's, that's what I'm gonna, that's what I'm gonna, you know, leave up. I'm gonna leave it to y'all. I'm gonna leave it to you. And I do have to say, I love the song 11 o'clock. I love that song because the 11 o'clock number, oh, Mm -hmm. Rachel, (laughs) Rachel really said, I love musicals. And she said, yeah. I know you little weirdos like musicals too. And I said, yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. You know me, girl. You know me well. 
Because the amount of times I've watched the show and I'm like, that is a reference to Music Man. That's a reference to Mm -hmm. Les Mis. That's a reference to Girl. Don't even get me started. Like watching the musical, watching like the songs and be like, I know what you're referencing. And I know you know what I'm referencing. I see it in my third eye, girl. I see the plot. All right. I see what you're doing. Okay. Um, Yeah. So. Yeah. The finale... I do have to say, I mean, I kind of anticipated that ending. Oh yeah, that she would not end up with anyone, and that she would. They always do finally that. focused on. They always. I do mean, that. yeah, it's the fact like... that oh, she was happy with Josh, and she was chasing Josh for happiness because, like, what she was actually happy about was musical theater, and he just happened to be there. So, like, yeah, I am glad that that's how it ended. But, like, are we really doing like? Greg fakeouts like in the last episode like be fucking for real man yeah I mean um I feel like her sitting down and being like I have a love for songwriting and like musical theater yes. it's kind of like I mean I guess <laughs> You know, she tells Paula that like musical numbers happen and take place in her brain, which I think yeah, I kind of they do. Yeah, I mean, we kind of picked up on that because all of the musical numbers that center any of the characters are basically a window into like the character's perspective, but also how this how Rebecca sees this person mm-hmm. and the perspective that this person, the perspective of this person's role in Rebecca's yeah. life. And all the characters, they become more and more relatable through each song. Like, with Heather singing about what does the future hold? Oh, Alexia. yeah, The Moment Is Me. Yes. The Moment Is Me is such a good song, and I love it it's the so most. It's so fun. It's the most reluctant, like, okay, musical yes. number ever. And it's so relatable, because she's not even singing, but she is singing. Yeah. And yeah. it's still good. Like, I still love it so much. And Paula throwing herself into every musical number like fly like mm-hmm. a bird fly off a cliff yes queen yeah i will i will fly off a bird i will fly like a bird off a cliff. all you gotta do is face your fears that's all you gotta do and i mean they do this basically like you know the season the series finale of crazy ex-girlfriend is rebecca not choosing any guy but choosing to mm-hmm. pursue musical theater which okay go off queen they do that with every any piece of media where a woman has to choose between two guys she either goes with the guy who is the passionate one or she picks herself even though yeah. we see throughout the whole tv show movie whatever it is that you spend all your time chasing these men and you chase yourself and that's the resolution but we don't get to really see that play out in the show like that happened in the midi project where she chooses herself but then at the very end she chooses danny which i don't know i don't understand the ending but fine whatever and then we see it in insecure where like this this character molly who's going on dates with guy after guy after guy after guy failed relationship after failed relationship and then she's like i'm gonna choose myself i'm gonna choose myself and at the very end of the show at the very end of the series she picks some dude that she had like an enemies to lovers arc with and it was very uh-huh. short-lived by the way like he was like definitely like just uh-huh. a side character in the show and then suddenly they fall in love and i'm like okay i guess i mean if this is how we're gonna wrap it up this is how we're gonna wrap it up it just feels like a cop-out really 
It's just kind of like, I'm going to pick myself and we're not going to explore how she goes about picking herself, how she goes about learning more about herself, how she goes about discovering what she really wants and what's her true happiness. Yeah. We're just going to pick that for the finale and you all had to live through her I, delusions yeah. and her chasing after men and her going after like sex and desire and all this other BS throughout all four seasons. At the very end, she's finally going to make a sensible choice and then cut to black. Like that's it. I'd say that, like, a lot of the first half of season four is about, like, her learning to, like, like cope with, like, the process of recovery and, mm. like, changes in her life. But you're right that it gets derailed as soon as they decide to do this love try, like, love quadrangle thing. Mm-hmm. And then they just, yeah, they just slap the choosing herself ending on after all of that it just felt like it was just like we're just doing it this like to like surprise you and to put some twists in here for no reason whatsoever Mm -hmm. or like i don't know it felt like reacting to the audience like oh like you want her and greg to end up together so bad well we don't think that's important but because we care more about like rebutting you than our show we're just gonna like tease it a lot and take up a bunch of valuable valuable time doing that so we can be like well in the end she chose herself because she's a feminist fuck yeah like Mm -hmm. okay well you could have just given her more things to do by herself yeah um also season three i love that season I love the season mainly because, you know, you're watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and you're kind of watching them up the ante every season with mm. what Rebecca does. And then there's the end of season three where Rebecca throws Trent out of a window. Yep, she sure manslaughters that guy. Yeah. <laughs> she sure manslaughters that guy. Yeah, that's one way to say it. And then we have to open with like season four. With her Mm. on trial for murder. And that's when I'm really just like, okay, so is she gonna be in jail now? Or what? Like, what's going on? And, you know, her, like, getting... And that's Bojack's ending, but it is not hers. Yeah, yeah, no. Like, Paula getting Trent to confess... And then nullifying the case against her so that she can go back to living her life. It's really just like, okay, so once again, this white woman's going to get away with it? Yeah, and they have this arc where she's like, I just realized that I'm privileged and I'm going to go volunteer at the county jail now. Rebecca, we've been through three seasons of this. Yeah, and then we don't even see her volunteer at the county jail. It's just like... Nathaniel and Paula doing it, but the only point of every county jail scene is for one of the women in the county jail to be like, so what's going on with Rebecca's love life? Like, be fucking for real, man. They don't care. They're in jail. They don't care. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they would not care. Like, my friend who, like, volunteers at, like, the, like, local prison, like, they do, like, the people she talks to are invested in her social life because it's sort of like a living vicariously through thing i think but like it's just annoying that that was the only point of these women to make 
people seem like good people and then like have Nathaniel talk about his feelings sometimes. They're just kind of there as like props in a way. Yeah. And then I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Season four, when the local news starts talking about her past behavior, I was like, girl. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you didn't deserve it, but, you know. Mm, Yeah. It is hard to continue recovery when all your past mistakes are staring you in the face, but they resolved that in, like, one episode, so. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. I think that, like, season four... They definitely were just like, okay, we're going to take all the criticisms that people have about the show and we're just going to wrap it up. Okay, we're going to yeah, clean it up. Each episode, they were like, we have two morals that we would like to teach the audience and we're going to give Rebecca one of them and then we're going to take one character and despite the character inconsistencies, give them the other one and then yeah. you'll feel warm inside at the end. Like, right. okay, if you say so. Like, I feel like the thing that took me out the most was um the charades uh, game night Paula episode where, like, there's, like, Hector and Valencia have, like, a tiff and then Hector's, like, it's because... Valencia's, like, it's because everyone likes you and you're so fun and easygoing and no one likes me. And Hector's, like, but I've always liked you and you were always mean to me. Like... No, he did not. Like, I have the receipts from season one of him telling Josh to break up with Valencia every other episode. Mm-hmm. Like, you just made things up to have, like, a moment where people would go, all. Yeah, I... Okay. This is a little pet peeve of mine. And mm-hmm. I understand that this is this is definitely, like, the fangirl in me coming out. Okay. But if you're going to, like, write a show and it has multiple seasons, please do not write character. Don't betray your character's, like, past actions. You know what I mean? Like, just like you said, Hector didn't like Valencia in season one and now he suddenly Mm -hmm. likes her in season four. That doesn't make any sense. It's like in Supernatural when they're trying to, like, um, retcon something. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't even do that with me. Don't even, like, don't even start with me. Like, I know that Supernatural has, like, over a hundred seasons, but if you're gonna, <laughs> ret- if you're gonna retcon something that's so basic that you could literally look at Supernatural Wiki to, like, solidify yeah. that, like, you shouldn't retcon this, then, I don't know, do your research. Like, you don't have to watch the show that you're on, but, like, damn, you should at least know <laughs> what yeah. happens in your show. Like, what happened yeah. before, at least, like. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely suffers in season four. But yeah. at least the episode titles have the word I in them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The episode title gimmick is pretty fun. I appreciated it. It is. It is a lot of fun. Where they're like, Josh just happens yeah. to live here. Josh's girlfriend Yeah, is really season cool. one is all exclamation point sentences with the word Josh in them. Season two is... The word Josh in them, but they're all questions. Season mm. three is the word Nathaniel in all of them, right? Nathaniel and season in like four, half of them. Half of them. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then we finally get the I titles. 
in season four, which is nice. Good for her. You know what's funny? Hmm? Um, the guy who plays Bert in the show is also a writer on the show. Oh. Yeah, he writes... Huh. He's written, like, at least one episode. Which one? He's written, like, one episode of each season. Oh. Like, are they good ones? What are their names? Uh, one episode he wrote was Josh and I are good people. Uh, okay, that one has the I'm a good person song, so iconic. Yeah, and then he wrote the episode Who's the Cool Girl Josh is Dating? He wrote that, uh, that one's whatever. Oh, I that's, one that's Brittany the Snow. one where they spy on Anna and almost run over her car, her cat. What? That's the one with Britney Snow in it. Yes. I don't know who that is. Am I meant to know who that is? She's from Pitch Perfect. Oh, okay. <laughs> a lot. Listen, Patti LuPone is also in the show. There are a lot of musical theater. like. Yeah, yeah. You know. I do know Patti LuPone, but mostly yeah. because she was in Steven Universe. What? She was in Steven Universe as Yellow Diamond. The things that you told Josh are unforgivable. Um, wow. I don't know she's also famous for musical theater. Was she in Pose? Or was that someone else? There's some kind of famous person in Pose. Yes, Patti LuPone was in Pose as well. Oh. Also, um, he wrote the episode Josh is a Liar when he's about to expose Rebecca for all the... Oh, yeah, and she, she goes around and, like, slanders him in some article about how he's anti-vaccine and also, like, homophobic. Yeah. Which... Another really white woman moment from Rebecca there. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, when Josh was, like, ready to, like, expose her for all the things that she did, I mean, I was kind of like, I mean, let him. Let him speak. Let the man yeah. say what he has to say. Like, here's your mic. I just can't believe he has, like, an arc where he goes to therapy and learns to be more, more emotionally mature, but at no point in therapy does he feel Deal. like he has to talk about all the damage Rebecca has wrought upon because his life. she has done and some And he's damage. just in love with her again. It's it's ridiculous. It doesn't... How do we How do we get here? How did we get? No. Josh is too nice. I feel like, yeah. Josh is literally like I'm. Me as a super nice person, I would have loved to see Josh finally just be like, you know, not a dick like, to Rebecca, has but like his one moment in yeah. her when she, she takes his mom to the fair, and he's like, "If you ever come near my family again, I'm calling the police." But then he doesn't. Like he's fine with her. Like two episodes later. Because she tried to kill herself, I guess. So he was like, oh, guess I should reevaluate how I feel. But, like, come on. Yeah. I mean, obviously, trying to take your own life is very sad. And it would make you, you know, want to be nice to this person and, like, be delicate around them. And Josh probably has never had to really deal with that before. I mean, most people don't have to because that's something that's really difficult to deal with. And... Um, he's trying to like probably excuse her behavior as something that was like out of her control, and, like chalk it up to mental illness to like you know give her grace for how she was acting. But in like my opinion, even though you're going through something, girl, and like you know you you have 
you know, borderline personality disorder. I get, I, I mean, I don't understand, but I, I, I know that's not something easy. That's not an easy thing to deal with. Even so, even so, I know what you did. All right. I know what you did. Okay. You can't just expect me to just yeah. forgive and forget. We got to get the, you're not just going to get there just right off the bat with me. I'll just yeah. say that right now. Like, that show is wild. Yeah. It's yeah. good, though. I know we've spent the whole time complaining about it, but it's good. Like, we <laughs> care so much because it's good in other places, so I expect it to be good in all places. We spent the whole time complaining. That is how I roll, but I do I do enjoy the show, and I think most of the songs are bangers. Yeah. Overall, it is one of the best shows I've ever watched because there really can't be any other show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend that explores what it's like to be, Ugh. excuse me, a, like a woman and dealing with the ugly and gross experiences of being a woman. And I, when I first watched the show, I was fully ready to accept that this was going to be giving me like feminist 101 it's giving like oh my gosh I just realized that like having a period is something that I can talk about openly it's giving um pink pussy hat you know what I mean it's Mm -hmm. giving like oh my gosh I love Roxanne Gay you know what I mean they do mention her in the the music festival in the desert episode yeah you know i didn't expect this show to like perfectly encapsulate every experience that a woman deals with Mm. but i did enjoy that i did enjoy the parts of the show where it acknowledges like you know parts of womanhood that yeah aren't mentioned in um broadcast television and i like that it utilizes satire to focus on real issues that women deal with and I also like the fact that Rebecca Bunch is a Jewish woman and mm-hmm. we recognize her heritage and yeah. I enjoy it because a lot of times Jewish characters are kind of like one-offs, you know, um, mm-hmm. another Jewish character that comes to mind for me is Schmidt from New Girl. Um, <laughs> I haven't I seen him. that one either. You haven't seen New Girl? No, but I see, I saw the clip where like, Nick or whatever bought him a cookie and cut it into a Star of David. Oh my gosh. I bought you a cookie, I gave you a cookie. <laughs> bought you a cookie, yeah. gave you a cookie. <laughs> yeah, you have to watch New Girl. I mean, out of all the recommendations I gave you today, you have to watch New Girl. It's okay. not Hulu, it's not on Netflix anymore. I feel like reason. I tried a while ago and I just couldn't get into it. I'm not gonna lie, um... I remember when I first started watching New Girl and I was trying to get to season one and I was like, I don't know if this is for me, but it took me some time, but eventually it grew on me. And now it's definitely a comfort watch. Like I, mm-hmm. I, the one thing that <laughs> annoys me and I had someone on my podcast recently who told me they do this. One thing that annoys me is when people will watch TV, but they will not watch it in chronological order. They will oh. just go from episode to episode. And that what? makes my skin crawl. It makes me want to like 
literally pick every hair out of my nose just to feel Mm -hmm. any other sensation except rage i hate that but new girl is one show where i feel like if you put in just a random episode i'm gonna be fine that's the Mm. one show i'll let you get away with it i'll let you i'll let Mm. you get i'll let you fly you know okay yeah okay I probably still am not gonna watch it, but what were you saying about Jewish characters? Yeah, I mean, I like that she is like, I love that she is, you know, the main character and she's Jewish, and we recognize mm-hmm. her heritage. You know, obviously Rebecca is an obviously imperfect person, and oftentimes she is so self-absorbed in her own BS that she has this, um, like, not a very code of ethics. Um, so self-absorbed that she's practically oblivious to the poor decisions she makes on a mm. regular basis. But I love the fact that um, we acknowledge that you know she's Jewish. She's not she's not just white. She's Jewish, guys. I mean, still white, but you know, there's a mm. little bit of there's a little bit of heritage behind there. So we we love to see it. And I, I mean. I mean, I feel like this is the only show where, like, the main character is Jewish and they also, like, don't just bring it up, like, one, it's, and it's just, that's it. It's, like, it's a part of who she is, you know? Yeah. It's it's a fun time. I love yeah. the I love the song, We Suffered. Every oh, s- yeah. Remember That We Suffered is a good song. When she, her mom pops up in season one, I was fully With just, Where's like, the bathroom? I was like, girl, I, I feel you. I feel you deep in my soul. Because her mom is Jewish, but if you are, if you're a child of immigrants, you already know. Your mom right, is exactly yeah. Like uh, what's the song? Forget forget it. The one where it's like Rebecca's mom and then like a bunch of other moms being angry at their children. Mm. To be honest. It's. An episode where she goes back to New York and she wants to be open at an event about um, how she's no longer a lawyer and her mom sings it. I'm sorry, Crystal. Give me one second. Okay, yeah. Give me one second. Sorry. I did.
Hi, I'm so sorry. My mom walked in on me recording, which is oh, the most no annoying thing ever. Hold on. Okay. I paid 150 and then I paid 30 because I went back in the text and I saw it was 180. I, I mean, I did. I mean, I paid it. Mommy, I paid it. I paid it. I paid it. Okay. Yes. Sorry. All good. It's, it's so annoying when she does that. I just, I can't. Because our yeah. phone bill isn't paid, so I uh -huh. had to pay it. Yes. I took, like, the rest of my paycheck. And now uh. my mom's saying that's not paid, and I don't. I don't know what to tell her. Oh. I don't have any money. Yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Now I have to call Metro PCS or like get on a support line to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hate when that happens because it just like Ooh, derails cool. the whole it just derails the whole thing. Mm. Uh, okay. Well, you were talking about being a child of immigrants and Rebecca's mom being relatable because of that. <laughs> the perfect time for her to walk in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because even though the show um, is from Rebecca's standpoint, and also um, McKenna and Bloom are both white women, obviously. They're also both Jewish, right? Yeah. Like, I so I guess they can both bring that perspective in. Yeah. They can both bring yeah. their perspective in. Which is and, exciting. Yeah. I do think there are some parts of the show that I do find myself relating to. Like mm -hmm. the need and desire to have a romantic relationship. And although the show in of itself is not very racially diverse, um, it's still a really good show nonetheless. Mm -hmm. I think that in the later seasons, it does try and make up for it a bit. Yeah, I feel like because, like, my main show that I was talking about on podcast before this was Supernatural, I was like, what do you mean it is so diverse? But that's, like, compared to Supernatural. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, the characters of color don't get as much, like... Like, of the love interests, it's just Josh, who's, like, a person of color. And, like, Nathaniel got an entire POV rom-com episode where he learned to let go of Rebecca. Like, Josh never gets that, because, like, his perspective is not valued as much as, like, fucking Nathaniel's. Um, and then, obviously, Paula is the best friend, and she gets a lot more, like, relatable and, like, compassionately treated problems than Valencia and Heather do. So, yeah. It's not great. Yeah. I do think that of course, the show isn't perfect by any means. There are a lot of things mm. that they could work on. Yeah. You know. But I would still recommend it to people. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like 
this show. What show do you think is a lot like Jane? What show? Sorry, not Jane Diversion. What show do you think is a lot like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend that isn't BoJack Horseman? I don't think I watch enough TV to have anything else that I would compare it to. What about you? You you mentioned Jane the Virgin. Is that a show you think is similar? Um. Well, to be honest, like Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex Girlfriend are the rare shows on the CW that are like actually good. Not uh-huh. as in it has like a huge fan base and people watch it. Like this show is quality television with a story and a message and people actually like it and it has critical acclaim and it deserves that critical acclaim. Like that's mm-hmm. why I kind of mentioned Jane the Virgin because I do ostensibly do think of that show when I think of um, Craziest Girlfriend sometimes because it's one of the only good shows that the CW has ever made. And also Jane mm-hmm. the Virgin kind of exists in like a telenovela yeah, uh, format. So it's also about genre and... yes. How you play with that. Yeah. It lends to that genre. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest and say, I haven't watched Craziest Girlfriend um, in like one sitting, mainly because it was always a show that like my mom and my sister watched and I just kind of like watched episodes from time to time. So I kind of mm-hmm. know what happens in the show, but I was never interested in the show enough to sit down and watch it. Because I knew it wasn't for me. Because the premise alone mm-hmm. for the show is ridiculous. Like, this woman gets accidentally inseminated with someone else's baby. Oh, yeah. Jane the Virgin. Yeah. And it reminds me of... Um, it's like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Like, this girl moves from New York to West Covina, California to leave her high-paying, mm-hmm. high-profile job to mm-hmm. try and chase a guy that she dated for a month when she was 16 years old. It's a ridiculous concept, but it's a really good show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, if I had to pick a show that's similar to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, um, for me personally, I would say Chewing Gum. It's a show mm-hmm. that I watched on Netflix. It was created by Michaela Cole. And I think you've watched Chewing Gum. You mentioned it before. Uh, no, I mentioned watching I May Destroy You, but not having seen Chewing Gum. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so it's another recommendation for you then. Chewing okay. Gum. It's honestly, it's, it's, on the list. it's very, very good. And it's one of those shows where it's only two seasons. And it makes me so sad that it's only two seasons because it's really one of my favorite shows ever. And mm. I do love it dearly. And the reason why I love the show so much because it also does have that coming of age feeling for mm-hmm. a show centered around an adult. And Michaela Cole's character in Chewing Gum is grown up, at least. You know? Yeah. She's not fully an adult. Like, she still lives at home. She's giving me, like, very much college. She's giving, like, mm-hmm. university. But mm-hmm. um, she is kind of, like, close to that, I guess I would say. So I really do love that show. Because she's kind of like exploring her sexuality, she's exploring mm-hmm. love and relationships, and she's a late bloomer at that. That's I think that's why I really like the show because she's a bit of a late bloomer, and I relate to that in a way. And um, I mean, overall, it's a lot of fun. I like the show a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. That it's is not... one recommendation I may take you off on. Yeah, it's not a musical, but it is definitely a comedy. And it's one of my favorite comedies ever. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, I feel like another show I would also relate this to is The Mindy Project, which um, I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Mm. And the one thing I do love about The Mindy Project is this is a, a, a brown woman who mm. is seeking love and relationships while being a doctor. Like, she has a high-paying, high-profile job, and she wants to... She's looking for love and companionship. And I want that for her, and I love that for her. And, I mean, it's a fun show. It's very funny. It's very romantic. It went on for a couple seasons. And Mindy Killing is hilarious, but... If you know anything about Mindy Killing, this is also this show also felt like a vehicle of her living at her fantasy of being with BJ Novak. Novak. Oh yeah. Every single love interest she is with is white. They're all white men, and there is of course mm-hmm. that one season. There's a one episode she has where she dates a um, brown guy, and he's like, "You only date white women." Like blah blah blah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then she never dates another brown man again. Hmm. We, we never we never see and like i'm sure i think maybe at one point she probably does date someone who isn't white but like most of her love interests are white men yeah i mean that's that's just it yeah yeah i also ike Barinholtz is in the show and i don't know who that is okay well sorry who is that ike Barinholtz. he's an ugly white man who's a comedian. <laughs> I'm I don't know how else to describe him. Like, uh, he was also in the show. He was in the movie. Um, have you ever seen? Oh, that movie? he was in Blockers. Oh yeah, he was in Blockers. Yes. And he was in the after party, as the, the sort of douchey. Guy who was Zoe's ex husband. Oh, I didn't watch After Party. It's okay. Yeah, I figured. I did try watching like the first episode, and then I was like, you know what? Not every comedy is going to be a, a ten out of ten. Mm. Yeah. And it's I'm watching it, and I'm like, why wasn't there any promotion for this? And I'm like, oh, okay, that's why. <laughs> that's why. Yeah. Also, Apple TV is terrible at promoting their shows. The only thing they really promote are their sci-fi shows. And, girl, ain't nobody trying to watch that. Mm, I'm not here for... What shows do they promote? They promote their shows Silo, Foundation. Um, There was a bit of promotion for their show Loot, because Maya Maya Rudolph is in it. Some for... um, Some for, like... uh, 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 What's that? What's that? What's the show? Ted Lasso? Ted oh yeah, so people really like Ted Lasso. I haven't seen it, but people really like it. I'm not gonna lie, I like the first two seasons. I tried watching. I tried to start the third season, and then I was kind of like, you know what? There are some parts of season one and season two that I find a little cringy, and now I see a lot of that in season three. So I'm a, I'm gonna let this one. I'm gonna let this cook. Y'all got mm-hmm. it. I'm gonna let this cook. And a lot yeah. of people were saying that season three was bad, and I was like, ooh, I guess I'll, I'll dodge the bullet then. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, the only Apple TV thing I watch is Severance, which oh, yeah. please come People back, please come Severance. back. It's so good. Yeah, Severance. It's very good. And then um, what else is there? 
Um, they had like Emily Dickinson being a lesbian. Oh yeah, they did have that too. I have not seen that one, but it's called Dickinson or something, right? Uh huh. Yeah. And what? Let me think. Dickinson. There was one show that I did watch on Apple TV that I really liked. It's called Bad Sisters. And the only reason why I watched it is because one of the main characters was also on the show called Catastrophe, which was on Amazon okay. Prime. It was, oh my gosh, Catastrophe is such a good show. Catastrophe is literally a show on Amazon Prime about these two people. They have a one night stand and the woman is pregnant and she's like, I'm not going to have an abortion. I'm going to keep the baby. He's like, okay, well, I'll help you raise a baby, I guess. I guess I'll move to mm. the UK with you. And they do. And they have a relationship. And they just like kind of take care of the kids and they have their relationship and it's so funny and hilarious and i love that show so much and also bad sisters it's so good because it's a show about these four sisters and one of their sisters mm-hmm. i think four or five i don't remember exactly but one of their sister's husbands died he died mm-hmm. and they hated her husband they hated uh-huh. him and he has this life insurance policy for like a million dollars i think and wow the people who work at the life insurance, I guess, office or whatever, are trying to investigate to death so that they don't have to pay out the policy because the oh. company doesn't have money. Fascinating. And you learn that the husband is awful. He is a mm-hmm. horrible person. And when you first watch the show, it's kind of like, okay, maybe he's just sexist. Maybe he's just, maybe they just don't agree with him, you know, with certain things. Maybe he's just like, maybe he's a little rude, you know, he's not like a nice guy or everything. Mm-hmm. But then when you keep watching the show, you realize this guy ain't shit. Like, he for real, for real, like, got what was coming for him. Like, uh-huh. karma, karma was waiting around the corner for you with my guy. She was, okay? Best belief. Sounds fun. Yeah. Um, yes, so I definitely recommend Catastrophe and what else did I recommend? Bad Sisters. Bad Sisters is very good. Yeah. Nice. Is there another segment we should move on to or anything? I forgot um, how we close out or whatever. No, I was just gonna. I was about to ask you. <laughs> I, was ab- I was about to ask you um, if there are any final uh, thoughts that you had about um, Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Um, it's a good show. The songs are very, very catchy. Um, and I'm sad that a lot of the actors didn't get much work after the show ended because I think they were all very good. Oh, yeah. Everyone who was on the show was really talented. I feel like a couple of people, after they left the show... Vela Lavelle, I think, got... Well, she was Mermista on She-Ra, which is oh, yeah. a, a success to me. I don't know if it's actually a success in the professional world that it she's is in. It is a success. She-Ra is amazing. she is phenomenal. Yeah, no, I just don't... Because I think, is voice acting... Does it? How does it pay? Like, is Vela Lavelle doing well? wallet wise i mean i don't work i don't work in the industry i can't really yeah you, but i think they did pretty good yeah oh the guy who played, played father bra he was also a writer on the show i just realized oh that. yeah right renee Goube or whatever his name yeah is. renee Goube. yes i completely forgot that emma Wilman was valencia's girlfriend 
Like I remember um, her, obviously, I but I forget that it was who Emma Wilman is. Who oh, is? she's a she's a pretty she's a small time comedian. Oh, okay. But she is a comedian. Cool. Yeah, she has she's actually really funny. I do enjoy her a lot. Um I know Rachel Bloom, she had, you know, reboot, which was cancelled after one season, which sucks, but mm. I mean I think that could have been her next kind of big show if they had let right. it like, you know, breathe a little bit and let it you know giving it some time but Mm. whatever i also um i don't know usually like okay how do i say this whenever i'm watching a show and it ends i think that like i'm kind of okay if um the actors who are on the show aren't immediately on their next project aren't immediately in the next movie or in the next like blockbuster Mm -hmm. because really it's fine for you to like take a break live your life like they just spent four seasons on a network television show yeah you're gonna if you just want to not act or not do anything for a while that's perfectly fine with me and also the guy who played um josh chan vincent rodriguez He's he, on an Amazon Prime show or something. He is, and he's also on a Netflix show, too. Oh. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. I mean, it seems like most of them have been kind of, at least they've been able to book roles, or they've just been living their life, which I have to say is probably, it's good, you know? I think that's more important than, like, jumping from, like, job to job to job. I don't feel like it's exactly necessary to do that, but of course... If I see an actor that I love and they're in like another TV show or if they're on Broadway, then of course I'm going to be like, hell yeah, let's get this bread. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Especially David Hull. I love him so much. And to see him in like another TV what, show. What was he on before? He- or after Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, it seems like he did a couple other projects, but they look like low-budget films. Mm. So, I mean, if he does end up doing something else, I I can't wait. Because I loved him as White Josh. He really was one of my favorites. He was one of my favorites, like, for real, for real. I think mm. he was great. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm never going to get over the fact that Josh Groban was in season two. That's the craziest girlfriend. Like Josh Groban, um dang it, who is that guy? Patton Oswalt? Patton oh Oswalt. yeah, yeah. He was in the the cringe, right? The yes. graveyard song? The graveyard. Um Was also- Weird Al the hot air balloon guy or was that some? Was Weird Al ever on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend or am I making? Yes, he up? was. Yes, he was. He was the hot air balloon guy. Yeah. Cool. And also Patty Lapone. Of course, Patty Lapone yes. being in a musical theater show makes sense. Um, I'm not gonna. Oh, that's not Doctor Phil in season oh one. Oh my they? gosh, Doctor Phil was perfect. He was perfect. Like when I saw him, I was like, "Of course, come on." King of the Quacks. Let's bring it in. Let's bring it in. Go off. I loved it. Also, um, I do kind of wish... I I don't know why. I was hoping in my heart of hearts that Indita Menzel would come on the Mm. show. 
because I was thinking like I was thinking like Glee. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking like you know let's uh let's see our girl show up. You know what I mean? Yeah, Maybe just once, but uh, it didn't happen. But uh. that's fine. That's fine. That's all right. It's okay. Whatever. I think Seth Green was also on the show. He just popped up. Yeah. Also, yeah, BJ. I don't know who that is. Also, yeah. BJ... Oh, yeah. BJ Novak was, was in an episode where. Rebecca's calling people for money, right? And then uh-huh. he says, no, I'm making my meth lab or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. We love to see it. Yeah. Shout out to Josh Groban. Mm. What a king. What an icon. What I... a legend. Imagine you have done the most terrible, unforgivable thing I feel like, uh-huh. I mean, for me, I feel like that's pretty unforgivable. You slept with my dad, that's pretty, like, I will I will literally meet you out in the street. We will bare knuckle fight in the street in front of everybody. I don't care if the cops come. I'm not stopping until somebody pulls me off your body. Like, I would be pissed. And then Josh Groban <laughs> sticking behind yeah. you. Mr. You Raise Me Up is just yep. fully your subconscious narrating the dastardly thing you have done. I I bear a grudge against Josh Groban because I didn't like when he took over as Pierre in Great Comet. I preferred Malloy. But yeah. Wait, what? You have to give me oh, the background. Um, you have to sorry, give me the background. Uh, sorry, uh, the musical Great Comet, Natasha mm-hmm. Pierre in the Great Comet of 1812. In the off-Broadway version, the creator plays Pierre, and then once it moved to Broadway, Josh Groban played Pierre, and I just strongly prefer the off-Broadway recording, so I hold a grudge against Josh Groban for ruining Great Comet, even though he's perfectly fine. Mm. It does not matter, anyway. Okay. From I mean, to be honest, the controversy that I know about the Great Comet was oh, when was when Oak came on and then they like kicked him off after like a very brief run, right? Yeah, and then Mandy yeah. Pedikin was supposed to replace him, but then he dropped out of the production. Yeah, and... yeah, I remember hearing a bit about yeah. that. Like people Watch felt out. like he wasn't a big enough star to drive up ticket sales even though he was literally in hamilton mm-hmm. like he was he was in hamilton that show yeah. dominated broadway for <laughs> girl oh white yeah like not even broadway like literally everyone they would not shut up about that musical even me. yeah like I, I was obsessed with that musical you know but um yeah i didn't know that he what when he originally when they went to Broadway, there was a guy who was supposed to play Pierre before him, and they replaced no, him with Josh No, I think Grover. it was, like, on purpose that Daniel Malloy, like, was, or 
Am I totally forgetting his name? I definitely I know that Dave Malloy is the Dave creator. Malloy, sorry. There we go. He he played Pierre off Broadway. Is he got the creator, him mixed though? up with Daniel? Um yeah. Yeah, he he composed it and he played Pierre off Broadway. Okay. I mean, listen. We literally just talked about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for like over close to two hours, but Uh I, when you have, you know, the creator, director, writer, and star of the show, it's kind of like, babe, (laughs) you can't do everything. I'm sorry, but like, you're not Beyonce. Okay. You can't be director, star, executive producer. He could could play Pierre better than Josh Groban. (laughs) I'm, all I'm saying is that we can we can pick one thing to do, all right? Like Lin Manuel Miranda, like he has a Pulitzer. Shout out to you, King. But he's not even the best singer in his cast. Not even no, the best rapper in his cast. No. Oak no. is a better actor than him, and he was he couldn't even like be in another Broadway musical because people didn't feel like he could bring in ticket sales, which is ridiculous to me. Yeah, he's a powerhouse. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like Dave Malloy was like, sorry, Great Comic was Dave Malloy's like first big Broadway thing. Okay. I guess I think he's just used to being in his own stuff because he's used to like being in smaller productions like Ghost Quartet. I'm sorry. I don't know a lot about Dave Malloy. Oh, no, that's cool. I just, I had a phase where I listened to a lot of his stuff. But it was a while ago also. So, you know this American composer, but you've never watched New Girl. Yes. Got it. Okay. Ghost Quartet's really good. Okay, girl, that is... Oh my gosh. (laughs) That sounds like any... If... If I've heard an underground musical, that's one. If it's yeah. not, it's a song cycle. There's four people, like, and they they tell several interlocking storylines, like a fairy tale storyline, uh, pose the House of Usher storyline, um, musical theater It's a song cycle. Girl, why does this look like an opera? It's not an opera. It's. I'm sorry. Just based off the definition, I immediately think like. Oh so yeah. So we're thinking. So we're singing, and we're telling the story through song alone, no dialogue. Um, what does yeah. it sound like? A lot of musicals don't have dialogue. Like, Hades Town didn't have any scenes between the songs. They just talk during the songs sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's a, so like, that's a, that's a, that's a musical. Yeah, so, so, right, but, like, so, right, so, like, a song cycle, yeah, a song cycle does, is not very opera. I don't, I really don't know what the difference between a song cycle and a musical is. I just know that Ghost Quartet is considered a song cycle and not a musical. Anyway... I guess I I will recommend Ghost Quartet and you will recommend New Girl and then we will pass like two ships in the night. 
difference between song cycle I, yeah. and musical? Song cycle versus... No, no, no. You can't Google while I'm Googling. I'm doing the Googling. Oh, Hello. Okay. okay. All there right. Can only all be right. All a musical is a drama with spoken and sung texts. An opera is a drama with sung texts only. A song cycle is a group of sung texts with a unifying theme. No drama storyline. It's like the difference between a play and a collection of poems. But I mean, that's that's what I got from Reddit. Seem, okay, I... Ghost Quartet has a storyline. It's just a bit muddled. Also, I, plenty of musicals don't have spoken text, so does that make them operas? Whatever, these definitions mean nothing. No, musicals have sung and spoken text. Opera is a drama with sung text only. But you there, speak there are things and I would sing in musicals. There are things I'd consider musicals that don't have talking, I'm pretty sure. Which ones? Which ones? Let's break them down right now. Which ones? Okay, fine. Okay, I get so like no talking, not even during the songs. In that case, yeah, you're right. There's not something I can name off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Reddit wins this one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I feel like those are our final thoughts. <laughs> um, yep. I don't really have a closing segment anymore. Uh, I've mm-hmm. scrapped my beginning and closing segment just to like, because uh, with the strike going on, I'm trying to understand. I'm I spent a lot of time trying to like understand like what can I and can't I do on my podcast. And the mm-hmm. basic thing that everyone's told me is that I can still make this podcast as long as it's critique, mainly. You know, there is the argument mm-hmm. that like criticizing. Um, struck work is the same thing as marketing it and promoting it but this podcast is not sponsored like girl I don't make no money off of this and I'm not part of WGA or SAG so with that being said guys I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast thank you so much for being here if you like the podcast feel free to support us on Patreon or check us out on Instagram Twitter check us out on TikTok because we are growing on TikTok and um crystal where can people find you uh so you guys can find me and gray at uh bussy asian beauties pod.tumblr.com and also at like bussy asian beauties a supernatural podcast on your pod player of choice we also have a new podcast in the works called rubbish and probably a podcast that is going to cover the good omens tv show so are you kidding me right now for that (laughs) how are you guys making another podcast we are taking a three-month break from supernatural yes to talk about good omens are you kidding so uh it's gonna be the same social media as before but it will be a different pod feed so look out for rubbish and probably a podcast maybe by the time this comes out we'll have our accounts set up if not bookmark that for later Okay, and yeah. when are Thanks you gonna so have me on the podcast? Me. I that is a good question. Yeah, it's a I great feel question. like it does not have a guest structure, but we can we okay. can think. I mean, it's okay if you know that's not something that you guys have worked out, but I just want to say I love Good Omens, and I have been looking for somebody 
to talk about good omens with. So you I can feel do like little... every person on the internet wants to talk about good omens. <laughs> you would be surprised how many people have not seen that show. But it's like the hottest new queer bait turned not queer bait. Let me tell you something. I tried to talk to like a I tried to talk to like a Marvel fan the other day about um oh. our our flag meets death and they're like, Oh, I haven't heard about the show, but my friend told me it's really good. And I'm like, It's been streamed oh, more than God. Euphoria. Yeah. And they're like, Really? And I was like, it is Yes, girl. The show. Yes, girl. It has been. Yeah. Like, let me tell you something. The gays get it. All right. <laughs> we are seated. We are at home, wrapped up, watching TV. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish you the best of luck in finding a Good Omens podcast partner. Um, I mean, it won't be that hard to find. Listen, they're everywhere. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You did season one by yourself on this podcast, right? Oh my gosh. What? Did you do like a deep dive on my podcast? I know that episode is super old. It is old. I think I would just looked up Good Omens on Spotify and like you showed up and I was like, nice. <laughs> oh my god, that actually makes me super happy. <laughs> I actually love that because I know like friends of mine listen to the podcast and everything, but like you telling me they're like, oh girl, your SEO is in point. I'm like, oh, bet. Bet. Okay, nice. you love to see it. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Well, guys, we have come to the tail end of the episode and I want to say thank you, um, my buddy, my pal, my friend, Crystal, for coming on. Thank Um, you to you. Yes. Guys, you can find all of Crystal's stuff in the description down below. Go ahead and check her out. Go ahead and listen to um, Bussy Asian beauties podcast yeah how could i even forget the name it's such <laughs> an amazing epic phenomenal name it's Thank so you. good it's yeah, so good I feel like it's the main draw of the podcast yeah people like seeing the name of the podcast i'd be like ooh, and then listening to you guys talk about two <laughs> white men who have codependency issues and like kill demons and monsters in the night being pleasantly yeah. surprised it's a treat it's a yeah. treat for all of us Thank you. All right, guys. I will see you guys next week with another pod. Bye-bye. Peace.